on the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry. I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. On this week's Big Tech Show, you might not think it could happen to you, but our guest this week explains how a significant number of Irish people may be falling victim to romance frauds online. Victims can feel a misplaced sense of shame. People can blame themselves. They feel embarrassed. And so they don't want to tell family, friends. They don't want to report it to the police. In some cases, of course, the victims are already in relationships. They're married. They have an extra reason to keep that quiet. The Big Tech Show, available on all podcast platforms. Platforms. Have you heard the news? The Indo Daily is up for a Listener's Choice Award. Head over to the Irish Podcast Awards.ie forward slash vote. Electricity bills are soaring, gas reserves are depleting, and winter is coming. Today on the Indo Daily, a winter of soaring bills, or even worse, blackouts. Europe doesn't have enough supplies. Russia is withholding them to gain an edge. Germany has switched off street lights. By October this year, French supermarkets will switch off illuminated billboards. And shops will lower temperatures to 17 degrees Celsius. The operator of the National Electricity Grid issued another system alert last night for a short time. Airgrid said the alert was issued, quote, due to low wind and tight margins. Europe is in the grips of an energy crisis. The war in Ukraine, growing demand and an outdated infrastructure are all contributing to fears of a cold winter of discontent. The focus of this energy crisis shouldn't be on how often the consumer boils a kettle or uses the hairdryer. It should be on the mega-rich suppliers who are making tens of millions in profits. The impact is already hitting all of us. And there's no solution in the short term. Absolutely, we're going to face a recession. While it impacts everybody, it doesn't impact everybody the same way. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm speaking to consumer journalist and my Indo Daily colleague, Siobhan Maguire, and CEO of IBEC, Danny McCoy, about whether the lights will go off when we're all at home this winter. Siobhan Maguire, what is driving this rise in energy costs and these fears of a blackout because we're all feeling them, we're all hearing the talk that it's going to be a tough winter. But is it what's happening in Russia and and the Ukraine? Is it bad planning by the government? Are we just in a cycle where we always seem to have to be in a crisis? Yeah, that's a very good question, Kevin. Um, This time last year, I was talking about cost of living crises in Ireland, the fact that electricity suppliers, gas suppliers were pushing up their prices, that the consumer was scratching uh, their heads saying, how the hell am I supposed to face into the winter of 2021 um, and pay my bills with the cost going up and up and up? And then we had the cost of living budget um, last year, lest we forget. And then We had the invasion in February of Russia in Ukraine. After months of preparations, the Russian President Vladimir Putin has launched a major military operation against Ukraine. 
And we had this whole debate again about wholesale prices going up and therefore suppliers having to push the prices up and therefore that having a knock on effect on uh, you and I, the consumers. And yet here we are still talking about what's going to happen this winter, a second winter now we're facing into where we don't know what our bills are going to cost us. We're facing into potential power outages. And the very reason is that we have a dwindling supply that has not been addressed in a very long time. I I pretty much forgot that we were actually having a similar, but obviously a bit more low key conversation along these lines last year. It's been a whole year and it's gotten a hell of a lot worse. Yes, it has. Why has there been no intervention? How? I know you can't just turn on taps of gas, but They've had a year to come up with some sort of solution for people. Well, that's it. I mean, there's so much talk about the idea of can the Carib gas fields be used, for example, or is that far too expensive um, an effort on the part of the government to try and do? And will it actually benefit the country as a whole? Will we still rely on, on foreign countries? Where electricity is concerned, you have the major suppliers in this country basically telling their customers that we're facing huge holes wholesale prices. And that's the only reason why we're asking you to pay a little bit more. And then, Kevin, you see that uh, some of these suppliers are filing like half month uh, profits already this year. You know, one of them, uh, 40 million euros. Yeah, I don't understand that. Explain how they can make massive profits while telling their customers that they have to hike prices because things are so tight. So the fact of the matter is that they're not being burnt as badly as they're letting on. If if you have a company um, making profits of 40 million euros uh, at a time when uh, people at home are worried about even switching the kettle on for that cup of tea and what it's going to cost them, you've got a really serious uh, social and economic problem going on in the country. Um, so what they're doing, they're making these profits because they're pushing up prices on the basis that their costs have gone up. But obviously their costs are not going up as much as the rest of us are led to believe if they can make those profits, which are then divvied out to the shareholders uh, who get their massive dividends. And uh, it's of no benefit to you or I. Right. Well, that's depressing. Let's well, it doesn't get any better, does it? It doesn't to get be honest. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I, I did take the gloves off coming in today. I, I just feel so, so sorry for people now, including myself, because we're getting the bills. We can't afford them. I'll get, you know, requests from media outlets asking me, can I come in and, and share some budgeting tips for consumers on their energy bills or on their shopping bills? Indeed, uh, we have had that announcement yesterday from the Eurozone that uh, inflation has now hit a record high of 9.1%. So even doing the grocery shopping is beyond the reach for so many consumers. And it's really depressing. And so it's really patronising for someone like me to sit down and go, well, let's all switch and save, folks. Or yeah. let's, all, let's all buy own brand because everybody's doing that. We can all hear our mothers going, turn off the immersion. Yes. Uh, and never has it been more important. But we haven't really seen something like this since is probably the 1970s, is it? And it was a very different world. There was no iPhones, not every house had a television, uh, fancy cookers and dishwashers. Like we live in a very different world now that depends so much on electricity. So what is the chances of us all being unplugged at some point 
over this winter. It's a really good chance of that happening. I mean, just to compare with the 1970s, they certainly didn't have massive data centres all around the country um, eating up 14% of our electricity supply. I mean, that wasn't the case. Are we facing into blackouts this winter? I absolutely think we are. Uh, If the supply is dwindling in electricity, which it is, we're coming into another winter where people need to have the lights on. They need to have the heating on. They need to be able able to have that hot cup of tea and that puts pressure on the uh, supply chain. Then if you have like a perfect storm of, say, low wind, very cold weather, increased demand, then you are probably looking at the lights having to go off. How likely is it to come to my door, Siobhan? Because surely they'll start with big businesses. I'm thinking of some of the massive campuses that some of the foreign investors in this country have. Surely they'll start there and it'll take a long time before I won't be able to charge my iPhone. You'd think that, wouldn't you, Kevin? But the consumer is um, really being treated so shoddily in all of this debate. The skyrocketing electricity prices are now exposing, for different reasons, the limitations of our current electricity market design. It is no more fit for purpose. We, the Commission, are now working on an emergency intervention and a structural reform of the electricity market. We had Ursula van der Leyen in the EU earlier this week talk about some kind of resuscitation for the way we look at uh, the likes of gas and electricity, that why are they still bundled into the same project, the same industry when we talk about the energy sector. And this time last year, she talked about a similar thing. And on foot of that, you had the likes of, you had countries like Spain, Belgium and Greece, for example, implementing uh, an energy cap on electricity. Now, why didn't Ireland consider something like that? An energy cap doesn't mean that everyone's bill is the same month in, month out. It just means that for the consumer, we know exactly what we're paying per usage unit. And that stays the same for a certain amount of time. The idea of energy caps for electricity is probably something that will be on the table for many, many member states and probably is something our own government should look at. Our politics team have reported and obviously it's it's in the realm of speculation a little bit, but it's on the table for the budget that we'll get another energy credit later this Brilliant. year. Probably spread over two Isn't months. Isn't that great? An energy credit that goes straight into the pockets of the very people making these 40 million profits, Kevin. We but it doesn't so- come out of my bank account. It, it- It was an absolutely shambolic exercise when it was rolled out in May. You had you had these suppliers saying, oh, you know, this this is going to be great for everyone. Come straight off your bill. Don't worry, folks. What happened? Lots of people had 200 euro reduced by 13 and a half percent VAT, even though the VAT by that time had come down to nine percent. So I don't think that's the way to go about doing it. There's lots of little things happening in the background, the likes of the public service obligation levy that's reduced to zero percent. That's something that's on everybody's bill. You don't get a choice. It's not the energy company. It's actually a government charge. Exactly. Yeah. And this will be dressed up as as being something quite significant for the consumer. But the fact of the matter is that um, 
The bills are only going one way at the moment, and that is up and up and up. We heard this week about businesses in the Midlands being hit with like a nine grand uh, electricity bill. So it's not only the person sitting at home in the house. And remember, loads of us are still working from home again. You've got half empty offices dotted around the country, also draining the system. So there has to be some kind of joined up thinking that might even, uh, you know, for facing into a winter of blackouts, might even be uh, revising the hybrid working model. OK, so break it down for me, Siobhan. You've outlined all the problems. You're clearly fed up. <laughs> um, but I want solutions. Pascal Donoghue is going to have a budget uh, on the 27th of September. I realise a budget can't solve an energy crisis. But what are two or three practical things that he could do on the 27th of September that would actually help the ordinary man working from home or woman indeed? The focus has to be on on, on the, the big shots here, Kevin. The focus can't be on... Uh, you know, adding an extra fiver into the pocket of low income workers, that's not going to make any blind bit of difference to any of us. Take the idea of, of a windfall tax seriously. Don't be just bandying it around saying we might do this. There is scope there. If somebody's making those kind of 40 million euro profits, they have the money to add more tax into the system. The Commission for Regulation of Utilities is bringing in uh, various things to help the consumer. One of them is a disconnection moratorium. And what that's going to mean is that People who are really struggling with their bills and, you know, who miss a payment, who can't pay, will not have the fear of ESB networks cutting them off. So this moratorium will come into effect, I think, from the 1st of November. And basically it runs over the months of December, January, February, when our our consumption is at its highest. Uh, And for people who are are on really low incomes uh, or need that little bit of additional help, um, that is extended to six months. Danny McCoy, CEO of IBEC, let's cut to the chase here. Are businesses more worried about the rising costs that they're going to face over the winter ahead or are they more concerned that the lights might actually go out? I think it's probably a split. You know, obviously people will be concerned on both of those items, but I think larger businesses with higher margins and so on, it's the security of supply that's really important. Because while they might not like to pay the higher energy costs, their margins might be able to sustain it. Where you see the opposite effect is, particularly for small and medium enterprises that are exposed to the domestic economy, not internationally trading per se, they often have lower margins. And this unexpected you know, doubling, trebling of their energy bill basically wipes out their profit margin and they're into loss making. Then they're having to make decisions about you know, how much they need to keep going each day. So they're nearly self-selecting into reducing their their demand for energy because they just can't afford it. And so coming on the back of COVID and everything that businesses have had to deal with in the last couple of years, where does this crisis sit? I mean, businesses were closed, they survived, but are they going to survive this winter? Particularly, I'm thinking more, I suppose, the this small shoe manufacturer or maybe the coffee shop? Because I think that's what you're talking about when you yeah. talk about the cost side of things. Exactly. The coffee shop and the, um, the supermarket, the, the convenience store. You know, when you, when you walk into 
a convenience store now, you know, even say to the compared to the eighties, which is often what people drag us back to with the timing. You know, when you walk in there, you just struck by the lighting you're struck by wall-to-wall fridges you know it's incredible the energy usage uh taking place in coffee shops and uh these small you know, corner shops and we would describe them they, these are really big energy beasts now in terms of of their exposure to the cost of energy and the nature of them as you say coming from COVID, where some of them would have been closed down uh would be able to function properly they needed a bit of time not to be hit by the second uh, crisis in, in short succession. So I think, you know, we need a reaction um, similar to COVID, but targeted um, at households, obviously, that are in distress, but also businesses are in distress. So, But how do you target those, Danny? Because let's be honest, the government can't keep bailing out everybody. Well, that's a, that's a moot point um, in in the short term. Like that's clear, you know, that's clearly a truism um, in itself. Of course, it can't, but it can in certain moments in time. And so we have to stand back and look at where are we at in the public finances. So fiscal advisory, our our you know latest one saying that this year the government will run a budget surplus of four and a half billion. Uh, energy costs. Um, are up already 3 billion, probably going to go to 6 billion in, in the country. Wouldn't it be extraordinary if we'd lost a significant amount of businesses with the unemployment that would come from that, which would put pressure on the public finances themselves, that we wouldn't actually try to see, can we use the largesse that's in the public finance? Because our economy is doing really well still. You know, with 9% more people working now than in 2019, uh, the income tax coffers are up the much-discussed corporation tax, you might say it's volatile, but it isn't volatile at the moment. It is actually, the last few years, continuing to rise and looks like this year is going to be another record year. Wouldn't, wouldn't it be extraordinary next summer if the public finances were in bigger surpluses than we're even predicting, which is possible, and we didn't use those resources to try and keep businesses existing with the employment that they bring? But it seems, I don't want to say almost certain, but definitely likely that we are going to face a recession on the back of all this. Absolutely, we're going to face a recession. The, the irony in in, um, in many ways is that it may not be a technical recession in terms of the economic activity in the aggregate going down in Ireland. Yeah, well, explain that actually, actually, Danny, because we all remember the last recession and we know what it meant. It meant job losses, uh, wage cuts. This would be a very different type of recession if it comes, wouldn't it, from what we had uh, a decade ago? It will be. While it impacts everybody, it doesn't impact everybody the same way. What governments can't do and shouldn't do is try to make everybody whole here because this is a, there's a couple of things going on at once, but the, the main one that's driving inflation at the moment is the energy crisis as a result of the Russian invasion into Ukraine. We've made a decision that we haven't run out of natural gas by any means globally. We just decided we're not going to buy it from a particular source. And so it is a kind of a, it is actually an artificial construct. Uh, it's not, it's not part of the normal economic cycle. It's a, it's a state decision that we all agree with to impose ourselves with this particular problem. And therefore, it's not just a normal market reaction here. Um, this is so, this is actually a state intervention, just like we did in COVID about saying, stay at home. This is, don't buy your gas from Russia. 
And how do we actually deal with that? In Ireland, we're actually fortunate. We're just hitting this again at a time where there's a lot of resources that can be directed to try and get everybody through this winter. Not fully intact, but at least not go out of business. Running a running a budget surplus doesn't have any virtue uh, this winter. Those resources probably are best trying to get people through the winter to deal with these higher energy costs. Okay, sum that up in layman's terms then. Your message to Pascal Donoghue ahead of the budget is spend, spend, spend. No, not spend, spend. Targeted spending, but the actual, like the virtue of running a budget surplus when you're dealing with this type of crisis is nonsensical if the consequences you see a lot of businesses uh, fail over the winter. That was the CEO of IBEC, Danny McCoy, and earlier, consumer journalist and fellow presenter of the Indo-Daily, Siobhan Maguire. I'm Kevin Doyle, and today's episode was produced and researched by Mary Carroll, with sound design by Gavin Hennessy. Archive clips were from RT News, World is One News, Euronews, News Talk Breakfast, and Independent.ie. If you enjoy the Indo Daily, don't forget to like, follow, and leave us a review. 